You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. going to get into finishing up ministering on the four realities of the kingdom-minded parents, which has been, you know, this is, this is so good. Like, this is powerful that when we can get a hold of this kingdom, it's just kingdom-mindedness that we can then continue to partner with advancing the kingdom of God, which is so powerful and so needed always. Yeah, yeah you know, there was a point in my life where uh, I remember the, my thinking shifting, changing to where I went from just thinking about, you know, being a Christian to where I was part of a kingdom. Amen. And we're, yeah. we're part of something bigger than just we're saved but we're actually part of something that God has called us to advance and to move forward. And so being part of a kingdom is different than just being part of the world. Hallelujah. <laughs> we're supposed to be melted down and then poured into a different mold. We're supposed to not be conformed to the image of this world. I was going there and you stole my thunder. No, Sorry. I'm just kidding. That's exactly right. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, do not be conformed. It says, um, well, verse two, it says, don't be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so uh, we we've already, in a sense, been poured into the mold of the world just by being in the world. That's right. Amen. But then when we get born again, we come into a family, we come into a kingdom, we come into being the bride of Jesus we come into the ecclesia. We come into all these pictures of what the church looks like, and all of it basically is the kingdom of God. And so we're supposed to think differently. Because see, when you get you get saved, you get changed on the inside. How many of y'all know that when you got born again, you got changed on the inside? But there's a difference between being changed on the inside and having your mind come into agreement with how you were changed on the inside. That's right. And that's the process that we're in now. And so from now until we die, the goal is, is that we take the kingdom that's on the inside of us. Because, you know, Jesus said, you know, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. It's right now. Well, where is it? It's on the inside of us. Because when God came to live on the inside of us, all of his attributes and everything that he is, everything he's about came to live on the inside of us. So what we're doing and the goal is, is to, is to manifest and get to a point to where what is in heaven becomes a reality while we are here on this earth. When we get to heaven, we should not have culture shock. When we die, we should not have culture shock. It should look similar to, to what we're living in here right now. And this is different for a lot of people because they don't, they just kind of think, well, you know, you get saved and you do your best and then you go on and be with Jesus. And if that's all you do, then praise God, you're going to go on home to be with Jesus. But God has called us to live an abundant, productive, kingdom-minded life that represents heaven here on this earth. This is why he told the disciples, when you pray, pray in this manner, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So our goal is, is that the reality of our uh, sphere of influence, the reality of our life 
uh, mimics what's going on in heaven. And so in heaven, I guarantee you that we're going to think different when we're in heaven. But actually, we should just go ahead and start thinking now like we do in heaven or like we will in heaven. The, the reality of the kingdom needs to be so real to us that it is our reality. It's the thing that we think on, that we focus on, that we meditate on, that then we begin to manifest out of our life. Like we need to be saying to ourselves, like, would this be in heaven? And if the answer is no, then we need to ask the Lord, like, what then do I need to change? Because yeah. it's not the Lord that's needing to change. It's our perspective. It's like saying, Lord, I'm actually probably conformed to the image of this world too much. Where do I need to conform or actually be transformed? Because transformation is like metamorphosis, right? It's that's the right. process of totally being something new and so this is a thing that like in different stages and in different parts of our lives and in our minds like we can be transformed at different times and different seasons I mean it should be one but you know we're all we're walking this out and like sometimes you just don't know what you just don't know but it's like when you realize that you aren't actually manifesting the kingdom realities in a situation then we need to go to the Lord and we need to say Lord where do I need to be transformed? How does my mind need to be transformed? How does my language need to be transformed? What am I not seeing that I need to see because we need revelation to come in and transform us? Yeah, that's exactly right. And so, you know, we use this language about four realities of a kingdom-minded parent, and we're going to do uh, a real quick thing about these three, and then we're going to turn it over and look at look at the fourth one, which we're going to spend tonight talking about. But you know, it's the realities of a kingdom-minded parent, and that's different. Even the, the idea of, of, like, spiritual parenting, that kind of thing, is very different for a lot of people. But we're, we're, called, we're called to do that. We're called to be that. We're first called to be sons and daughters. We have to learn who we are. We have to, we have to think different. I mean, there's a big difference. Because when you were in, in the world, even if you were the wealthiest person in the world, you were still a pauper compared to the richness of the kingdom of heaven. Come on now. So when you come into the kingdom of God, it doesn't matter what you had in the world. It doesn't matter what you have naturally speaking. When you come into the kingdom of God, you're still thinking too low for what it is that you have in, in reality in the kingdom of God. And so one of the things that we, that we have the, uh, the privilege of doing is taking on a mindset to parent other people. And it is about natural parenting, but it's also about spiritual parenting. And it's about changing our, our thinking to where when we're looking at people, the goal is always, what can I do to impart, to bless, to give, to uplift, to encourage, to strengthen, and to bring up in the Lord? And this was something that um, really actually felt, it felt like it was pretty natural to me, this thinking, but I've, I've had to develop it, and I'm still developing, and I certainly haven't arrived but like our goal in ministry, we decided years ago that if we, nobody ever knew our name, if we never amounted to anything, but we, we built platforms to be able to elevate and lift other people up, then we will have accomplished something here on this earth. And when I say elevate other people, I mean so other people can step into things that God has called them to step into. That's actually become 
part of what I believe that the Lord has called me to do is to help other people step into what God has called them to do. And so the idea behind that is really just a, just the very the heart of a father. It's the heart of a mother. It's the heart of the father. The very essence of what Jesus did coming to earth was to elevate people. I mean, if you think about that, everything that he came to do was to bring increase to people. And it's kind of funny when people are like, and I know the connotations can be bad because there's some funky stuff that's going on with it, but people are like, are you one of those prosperity preachers? And I'm like, to me, the gospel is all about prospering people. And I'm not just talking about like finances, but in every sense of the word, God is interested in increasing people. And his heart is for you as a father to increase. So it's a it's a paradigm that people have to step into this thinking of like, okay, if I'm going to be like God and I'm going to carry the same mentality and the same spirit that God did, then I need to look at people and say, what can I do for you to bring you up to the next level? Because that's exactly what God did for us. And he did the ultimate and he laid down his life for us to lift us up, to bring us up. And yes, it was to save us from hell and praise God for that. And if that's all we get from God, then that's a good thing. If, the, if, you, if you miss hell and you gain heaven, that's a good thing. But it's more than that. The kingdom of God is more than just missing out on hell and gaining heaven, but it is an abundant life. The enemy, the thief, has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And Jesus said that I have come to give life and that you might have it in abundance. So to me, just missing hell and going to heaven and living on hell, living in hell here while you're on this earth until you get to heaven is not an abundant life. Jesus wants us to live a full, abundant, peace-filled, joy-filled, productive life while we are here. Well, since he wants that for us, we should in turn look at people and say, I want you to have the exact same thing. So it's a, it's a, it's a shift that has to happen in our thinking. And I always think about the, um, you know, the movie Top Gun. Not Top Gun. I said that last time. Uh, over the top. Yeah, that was over the top is what that was. Uh, you know that Sylvester Stallone movie, Over the Top, where he's, he's the arm? Who's, who's seen that movie in here? Who's seen that? You, you guys saw it at my house. You're my kids. Yeah, so just a few of you. But anyways, uh, Sylvester Stallone is this truck driver, and uh, he's, he's um, uh, you know, and, and working on an arm wrestling competition. He's got a, he drives down the truck, down the road in his truck, and he goes like this and lifts weights. You guys got to see this movie. It has a little bit of cussing in it, so never mind. I'm not recommending, but if you want to see it, whatever. So anyways, so but in the movie, he goes, they're interviewing him um, for this national arm wrestling competition, which apparently is real. They also have face slapping competitions. Have you seen this? It's brutal. We have these two guys. They'll stand there across the table, and they'll, they'll wallop each other. And then, the, and then it's the other guy's turn. If he's still standing, then it's his turn to hit the other guy. And so, anyway, whatever. Anyways, okay, so back to the arm wrestling thing. So Sylvester Stallone, they're interviewing him, and they're like, they're like, so what's your technique? And all this stuff. And he's like, well, you know, I, you know, he talks like, well, you know, I, what I do is I take my head, and I just I turn it around like this, and it's just like it gets me in the zone. And that, <laughs> I'm just trying to be a little bit funny. But a little bit funny, really, not very funny at all. <laughs> but spiritually, that's kind of what it's like as to where you take your hat and you turn it around. You take what's going on on the inside of you and you turn. Instead of thinking one way, you turn and you think a completely different way to where you realize your existence for being here on the earth is not for you. 
It's for other people. You are here for other people. Newsflash. God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to have the best of the best of everything. But it's not, it's not about you having the best of the best of everything. It's about you taking what God has given you and causing other people to rise up in their life. That's being a spiritual parent. Amen. Hallelujah. So can I hit these three real quick and then we'll go back to the fourth one? Hit them. They... We'll have a, yeah, yeah, I know. All right, you want to have a, You do not want to go against me in that. Well, no. I would never do. I would never do that. I'm I'm kidding. But anyways, um, uh, they lay up for their children. Number one, they lay yes. up f- for their children, or F O R, or the number four, however you want to say that. Um, number two is they leave a godly legacy. So first of all, laying up for their children is just the idea of like dying to self and doing what's necessary to pursue them. And this comes out of. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 10, I believe it is, where Paul is talking to them about laying up for them and doing what's necessary to pour himself out for their sake and then leaving a godly legacy. This is something that a kingdom-minded parent does. Leaving a legacy is, is not about making your name great. It's about what you are doing that's going to impact the generations after you because the reality is that good or bad, what you're doing is going to affect people in your life now and for generations to come. So it's not a matter of whether you're leaving, leaving a legacy. It's whether you're leaving a positive, godly legacy or not. That really is the issue. So we want to be intentional to leave a godly legacy. Number three is that they simply, this is a, a reality of a kingdom-minded parent, they simply agree with what God says about them. And sometimes this is both true naturally and spiritually. When you're dealing with your children, sometimes you can see them doing things or not doing things and go, oh, why aren't you doing this? But we have to make sure that we keep our heart postured towards them to believe the best about them because God believes the best about them. And so it's coming into agreement with what God says about them. Amen. Amen. And this can be used, you know, for anybody that you come in contact with or just anybody that you know is taking a posture of asking the Lord who he says that they are and then speaking that forward and not agreeing with what you're seeing in the natural, but agreeing with what God says, what who he created them to be. So that is so powerful and propelling people forward and propelling the kingdom forward because we all have purpose we all have destiny and jesus came to propel people into purpose and destiny and so if we're to be like him then we also are called to propel people into purpose and destiny remember jesus only did what he said or what he saw his father doing he only said what his father was saying and so this is how he was able to go into situations and go into people's lives and not be um, focused or concerned about their sin. I mean, obviously he was concerned about their sin, but he didn't partner with it. He actually brought them up and raised them and positioned them so that they could go forward in purpose and destiny by speaking forth what God was saying. Yeah, and I want to read this really, so powerful. I want to read this to you really quick. This is out of Psalm 139, and if the guys can pull it up back there, I didn't give this to them. Psalm 139, 14 through 18. This is so powerful. The Lord has written down in your book of life and in your children's book of life and in every single person on the face of the earth, their book of life, he has things written down for them to fulfill. Some people don't fulfill what God has for them, 
Some people are still walking it out. Some people are just coming to that revelation. People are at different places. But God already has things planned for you. You know, we know Jeremiah 20, 29, uh, 11. It says, the, uh, the plans that I have for you are to give you a future and a hope, um, to prosper you, not to harm you, all of those kind of things. That is God's plan. If you ever want to know, if you're in the middle of a situation that's, that's harmful or sinful or wrong or hurtful or and causing you to have all this pain, and you go, Lord, is this my lot in life? Is this for me? Nope. Because we know the plans that God has for us. They're to give us a future and a hope. They're blessing and increase. Amen. Everybody say blessing and increase. So Psalm 139 in verse 14, I'm going to read this. I will not preach this in Jesus' name because we're going to move to the next thing and hit this with the time that we have left. This is so powerful. Like you should read it and meditate on oh, yeah. these verses like a lot. Yeah, so Psalm 139, 14, and it says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Oh, man. Marvelous are your works. And that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written. The days fashioned for me. When as yet there were none of them. God has already written down the days he has fashioned for you, which are increase and blessing. They're already written down for you, even before you fulfill any of those things. Hmm. And then look at this last part here. It says, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. And this is how you can know. If you're experiencing rottenness in your life, it's not from God. Because his thoughts are precious towards you. How great is the sum of them, meaning that there's many thoughts that God has that are good towards you. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. Wow. Powerful. That's how God sees us, and that's how we're supposed to see other, other people, to be able to see people through the eyes of the Lord. And when you're investing into people, you know, I look at my life and and I think, you know, if I was God, I would have given up on me a long time ago. Thank God I'm not God. And I thank God that you aren't God. <laughs> Amen. Because we would, it just in the natural, we would give up on each other too quick, wouldn't we? But God to never give up on people. If we can see, if we can get to a place to where we see people like God sees them, we would never give up on them. That doesn't mean that there's not seasons that change and, and shift and God will move people in and out of our lives and different things can happen. I don't mean that. But I am saying that in our heart, at the very least, we should always have a hope that things are going to work out for those people regardless of what they're doing at the moment. See, it says that, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So there's a contingency on all things working together. It doesn't say God causes all things. It says we know all things work together for the good. And that's when you take the good and the bad and you, and you put them together. God's able to take all the stuff that we did that wasn't right. And when we turn our hearts and our lives over to him, he'll take the good stuff and he'll put it together. And he'll cause it all to work out to our benefit. Because he's just really, really good like that. Amen. Hallelujah. So here we are. We're going to look at number four here tonight. Can you guys hang in for 15 more minutes? Good. That means 20. So number four. 
All right, so we gave you three. So here's number four, is that here's another reality of a kingdom-minded parent, is that they pray for their children. You, 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 I'm not going to let you write anymore. She put the number four instead okay. of F-O-R. Like you get, they get it. They get it. They I know, but it. it throws me off. Okay, so anyways, but I can, re- you did a great job. You're amazing. I, right. I feel good about it. Okay, so. good. Uh, so <laughs> as long as you feel good. Uh, anyways, so number four is that they pray uh, for their children. And this is, this is, uh, this is one of the, the more selfless things that we can do. And I don't mean just throwing up a like, you know, will Lord help them out? I mean to where you develop a lifestyle built around praying for the ones that God has entrusted to you to raise up because there is power in prayer that goes beyond our ability to fix anything. And when we're praying over people we're responsible for, we're saying, Lord, I trust your ability to be able to help them fulfill what you have called them to fulfill more than I do my ability to control them. That's right. Because a lot of times when we have people underneath of us and they're not doing what we want them to do, what, they, what we know they need to do, sometimes we want to do things and say things to get them to really almost to control them to get them to do the thing that they're supposed to be doing. You know what I've come to find out is that that just doesn't work very well. What does work well is when all else fails, but even before all else fails, to keep things from failing is yes. to pray. Sometimes it's like, well, I can't do anything else. I'm going to pray. That's a good thing. But how about before everything is falling apart, pray, and you'll probably see less things fall apart. Because when you pray, you're coming into agreement with what God says about them. Well, when you pray, you should be coming into agreement with what God says. True. Not what you're wanting to see. This is why it's so important to go and get a word from the Lord and say what it is that he is saying. Because when we partner with what he is saying, that's when we're going to see the results. It's not by going and saying like, this is what I want for them. And even if it is really good what you want for them, even if your intentions are good, like it's, if it's not what God says, then that shouldn't be what we want because sometimes what we want isn't exactly what God wants. But when we partner with the Lord and we change our desires for his desires, that is that partnership that we want. And that is then when we start to see manifestation. That's right. Yeah, amen, amen. So we're gonna give you the, the why and the how. Cool. Uh, to pray for them. And so um, we're going to give you just a few different things here for each of these. And so the first thing about here, let me help you out here. Uh, come on, we need a hand for that. Okay. If nothing else, we'll be slightly entertaining tonight. Um, slightly entertaining. Uh, number one on why you pray for them um, is it turns our hearts towards them. So you as the, the parent, you as the leader, you as the one that is investing into them, it turns your heart towards them. Remember back, and we read this when we first started teaching on the series, we read back in Malachi chapter 4, and it talked about that the spirit of Elijah would come and it would turn the hearts of the father to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Which one comes first? It's the fathers. It's the, the parents. It's the ones that are, are having that parent parental influence in their life. Those are the ones that hearts have to be turned first. And if you're dealing with a child that is frustrating, be it natural or spiritual, then you have a responsibility to have your heart in line, to have your heart in check. Because 
you know, when you love somebody and you watch them do things that are destructive in, the, in their life, it can be very tempting to go down a path of being frustrated with them because they're not doing the things that, they, that you know that they need to be doing or they're doing things that they shouldn't be doing. And so before you can have any effectual change in their, in their life, you have to be able to have your heart in the right place and not be offended, not be bitter, not be upset, not be angry, be gentle. You know, the word talks about that when, when someone is overtaken in a sin, to restore that person in a spirit of gentleness. Well, a spirit of gentleness, it's, it's not just being nice. That's not the issue. But it's about having this, this language and this understanding and this heart that's towards them that doesn't get ruffled about the things that they're doing wrong. Because the deal is, is that God doesn't get ruffled about the things that we're doing wrong. Come on now. And so carrying on with this heart, we need to have our hearts settled that no matter what the people are doing that we're dealing with to where we just have a heart that is for them and that's turned towards them uh, regardless. And prayer will will do this. And it will keep you out of that I told you so mentality because, you know, oftentimes, which is from a place of frustration, like when we've actually like They've asked us, and then we've told them, but then they didn't do it, and then they come back, and they're like, oh, I should have done it, and it's, you know, tendency sometimes to be like, I told you so, like, why didn't you listen? Well, (laughs) that will actually keep them from coming to you in the future because that isn't a safe place. They don't feel safe. They don't feel secure. They don't feel loved in that place, and so as we continue to um, pray for them, our heart is going to be turned um, well, it, it's turned to the Father, and then in that place when we're turned to the Father, then we have compassion, and we have mercy, because I don't know about you, but how, like, I am so thankful and grateful that the Lord is so long-suffering, that He is so patient with us. Like, when when He's asked us to do something, and He's told us to do something, and we don't do it, like, never, never once do we go to Him, and He says to us, like, I told you so, like, uh, are you going to listen to me? No, he's so loving, and his mercies are new every morning. Every morning, like, he never comes to us, or we can never, I mean, we never go to him, and he's like, I'm so over you. No, he's like, I love you, and I am right here, and you have access to me whenever you need it. Like, do we have that heart where we say, like, without being taken advantage of and manipulated, like, that you have access to me, that I am here, and I'm not going to be a space where I judge and condemn you and make you feel shame and guilt. No, I'm going to be a place of compassion and mercy for you because I have the heart of God for you. Like yeah. we need that. That's right. You know, the um to give us a scripture that says exactly what you just said is in James, I think it's one and eight, if I'm not mistaken, or one and five, maybe it says, um, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him come and ask of God who gives to all liberally without reproach. And I, when I was young, I, I read that, was reading that verse, and I asked my dad, I said, what does that mean without reproach? He said, that means if the Lord gave you wisdom, and you went, and you didn't do it, and you messed up, you can come back, and he won't hold it over your head that you didn't do the, you didn't take his wisdom right to begin with. And I was like, that made, that was a good way to put it. That made sense to me. That's how the Lord is. If we ask of him, and he gives, because he does give, and then we go, and we just totally screw the thing up. Who, who's in here? Who's done that before in here? Amen. 
I have so many stories I could tell you about me right now <laughs> that I won't get into because we've all, we've all been there. We've all done that. Then you can go back to the Lord and say, uh, you're, you're all knowing. You already know it. Let's not go there. But I need wisdom again. I need to know what to do. He, he'll never hold it over your head. Amen. So praise God. So number one is it turns our, heart, our hearts uh, towards them, which is super important. Number two, as far as why, it keeps us out of reaction and in response. This is something that Liz has really... Um, really got a hold of and is a revelation to her and has become a re- revelation to both of us is that, you know, when we pray for someone and it, this ties into number one about our hearts being tur- turned towards them, but when you're praying for them, you know, God will give you things concerning situations and people and, and whatever is going on. And whenever things come at us, we should not be in a reaction mode. We should be in a response mode. You know, a reaction is to where, you know, someone comes and, and you know, maybe you've got to address them about something going on, a problem, an issue, or whatever, or something just comes up that they tell you, they're like, oh, what am I going to do about that? A reaction is when you get emotional about something, and you're led by your emotions, but a response is when, as a heart of a father, a heart of a mother, that you take the, the, the posture to say, okay, this is no problem for God, and we're going to work our way through it. That's a reaction versus a response. And that he has solution. Like God carries solution for every problem. And because God lives on the inside of us, then we carry solution for every problem. But when we're in reaction, then we can never get the proper response. And like I, so I'll just give a little testimony. Um, I, I used to be super reactionary about like the most silliest things. And one instance I can remember is one of my children broke a plate. And I got so upset because this was a plate from our, our wedding and it was something I valued and put worth on. And I I was like, why did you do that? How come you do that? You're being irresponsible and blah, blah, blah. And, um, and I didn't probably even apologize at that point and, you know, whatever but Has she apologized yet? Yes. Listen, come on. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's it's one anyways. It doesn't matter who it was because later, probably a week later, I broke a plate. Yeah. And I did not react to myself the way I reacted to them. And God just was like, You you can't like you're gonna forgive yourself but you need to forgive them. Like this plate is not more valuable or more precious than their hearts. And you want them whenever they make a mistake to be able to come to you, not run away from you. And all of a sudden I had to go back and I did apologize. And, you know, I said, this plate, it isn't worth more. And so now in any situations like the kids, if they did something, they don't run away from and hide the fact that they they broke something or they didn't do something right. They come to me and they say, Mom, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but this happened because they know that I'm going to respond to them in love and not react to them. And that is actually what we want to do because we want children to come to us we want sons and daughters to be able to come to us and not run away from us because that's what the lord wants for us yeah that's exactly right um we're running out of time so we're gonna um we're gonna barrel through this right we're gonna give you one more thing about why why you pray for their (gasps) for your children there's so much we could say this is so important is that um we're watchmen and gatekeepers 
And when you think about who's, who's taking watch and who is the gatekeeper over your children's, you know, now if they're grown, they definitely have some responsibility. But certainly with, with younger kids, you know, we have a responsibility to watch what is going towards them and to be able to see that and also what we're going to allow or, or not allow. Now, that fits more with, with younger. But even with older, people that are watchmen especially, um, you know, I find that as with, with natural kids, the, the older they get, the less of a gatekeeper, but probably the more of a watchman that you are. Because when, when kids get older, and even people spiritually that are underneath, underneath of you, you need to be able to have discernment and spiritual eyes that look and see the things that are going on. I've had many times when I've called people and told them, and I've had a word, I've had a word of knowledge, I had a vision, I had something go on, that I'm like, you need to watch out for this, you need to be careful of this thing. And I'm so thankful for the people that have done that for me in my life of, you know, I had this thing go on. I had a dream. I had something. And I just want you to be careful of this. And that's extremely important. And we need to know, I, to me, probably the biggest reason why we pray for our children is that we are the watchmen and we are the gatekeepers in their homes and their lives and all of that. And so here's a few reasons why. Number one is that um, God will give us revelation of their destiny. Uh, uh, and I'll say it this way, revelation of uh, his destiny that he has for them. And this goes back to when you're praying for your children, you're praying for those underneath of you, that it says to train up a child in the way they should go, and when they, uh, when they get older, they will not depart from it. A lot of times we train up children in the way we want them to go, but not in the way that God wants them to go. And so sometimes we take the good road, but we miss out on the God road. And when we're investing into people, we need to be able to hear and perceive and understand and pray God's will come to pass in their life and not necessarily our will come to pass because God has a divine destiny for them. Um, also, another reason why it's important for us as watchmen and gatekeepers is that it exposes the plans of the enemy. You know, God has plans for us, but the enemy also has plans for us. The enemy is out to destroy. He's out to kill. He's out to steal particularly in the order of steal, kill, and destroy. And what's the first thing he does is he steals. And what does he steal? He steals the word. I've had times when I've seen people that they received a word of the Lord, and, man, they were going for it, and all of a sudden they got discouraged. And because I saw that they got discouraged, I was able to come in and say, that word you got, you're being discouraged in it, and that's the enemy trying to steal and rob from you what God says is rightfully yours. That's being a watchman. That's being a gatekeeper and able to perceive and see things that are going on spiritually. Let me say, let me say this. Let me encourage you. Every one of you in here have the ability in God to be able to perceive and see and understand and know to hear things that are going on in the spirit. God has given you that ability. You have the ability just like you have natural senses, you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. You have senses in your spirit. You can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel, all those, whatever. In your spirit, I'm trying to talk fast, and I'm, I'm running myself over. Um, you have all those things spiritually to where you can discern what is going on in the spirit. You may not feel like a watchman, but I'm telling you, you are a watchman. You're a watchman over your own heart, and you're a watchman over the people that God has entrusted you to be a watchman over. Amen. Hallelujah. So we're going, to move, um, we're going to move on, and we're going to talk about how, and we're going to do this in seven minutes. How? I don't know how we're going to, but we are going to do our best. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter uh, 1, 
And we're going to read just a few verses here, and then we're going to come back and hit some things very quickly. All right, so we're going to give you how you pray over your, your kids. And I feel like this is where the rubber meets the road, but this is going to be a very fast car here where the rubber meets the road. All right, so verse 15 of Ephesians chapter 1, it says, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, verse 16, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, and just read this in the context of how you pray for them, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. There's so much in there. We could preach on that for seven weeks, but we have five minutes left, all right? So here we go. Here is reason number one as far as how you pray for them, and it, it is without ceasing. Everybody listen really fast because I'm going to talk really fast, and this is more important than what I have time to be able to give you. You should pray for your children without ceasing, you say, well, how do I do that? I can't kneel by my bedside all day long. That's one form of prayer. But prayer is just communication with the Lord. So here's how I pray, because Paul even talked about how he prayed for the, the churches, like, all the time, without ceasing. How do you pray for all of the churches all the time? It's that you always have your heart at a place before the Lord, saying, God, speak to me. Whatever it is that needs to be prayed, whatever I need to come into agreement with, show me, and I will come into agreement. You can't pray for everybody all the time. There's not enough hours in the day. You have to work your job. You have to do the things you have to do. So the way that you pray without ceasing is that it's a place that you're at in your heart to where you say, God, I'm here and I'm available to come into agreement. Because prayer, it is, a, it is communication, but the reason that we would pray over our children is to come into agreement. Because what God says, oh, this is heavy to say really fast and then move on, but I'm going to do it anyways. What God says about any of us is true, but it's not effective until we come into agreement with it. You have to come into agreement with it. And sometimes people, many times people need us to come into agreement with what God says about them because it does things, it changes things, it releases things. All of that. Amen. So we pray. We pray for them without ceasing. That's number one. Did you have anything you need to say? Okay. She's holding back for time's sake. You're a saint. Uh, num I know. Number two, number two. Just right. I'm the preacher here. Okay. Number. Kidding. Uh, I can't read my handwriting. Thanking oh, yeah, yeah. The Thanking the Lord for, for them. them. So, so you th she can read my She can read tongues. Uh, so you think. You thank the Lord for them. Uh, you know, that's, that's part of what it is to, to pray for people and what it looks like is you need to be thankful for them. And sometimes when you have people the closest to you will often rub you the wrong way. Yeah. Even your own children, even, uh, even ones that God's called you to do life with, you know, whatever the situation is. You know, the, again, the, the idea of like a parent, being a parent, a spiritual parent is very broad. It's more than just biological children and more than just the ones that sit under you and say, teacher, teach me. It's very broad for people that God has given you influence in. This, it's really just developing a heart to be like a kingdom-minded parent to where you, you're just this way towards everybody. And you should be thankful for people. God's thankful for them. Even if they're 
snotty. You still need to be thankful for them because God created them. Amen? So having a heart of thanksgiving will really help your heart before them. And just reminding yourself that every good and perfect gift comes from above and that people are gifts. Like God said that he thinks precious thoughts towards right. them. And so if we aren't thinking precious thoughts towards them, then thanking the Lord for them will help us begin to see them like the Lord sees them, thus being able to say what he's saying about them and have compassion and have mercy that's towards right. them. Yeah, that's exactly right. Amen. So uh, we're going to give you two more here real quickly. Um, number three uh, is to pray that they have. So again, this is how you pray for them. Pray that they have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. There's a lot I could say about that. And again, this is pulling right here from the scriptures. But People need to have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Everybody is going to have some kind of wisdom. They're going to have some kind of revelation. Everybody has revelations. Potheads have revelations. Dr whatever. Uh, people on drugs. You know, I was going back to, like, my dad actually is moving back from Florida and, like, well, tomorrow, actually. Tomorrow or the next day, he'll be, he'll be back, and you guys will see him um, around. But, um, uh, but anyways, he, he had this epiphany before he, uh, B.C., um, that basically his goal was to smoke pot and live off the government. And he said, well, I think he was high one day, and he would tell the story, so I'm not being dishonoring or anything. He would tell the same story. And uh, so basically his, his goal was to just live off the government and smoke weed and not work, and at that time, I think my, him and my mom were married, and that she was going to work, and this was like a revelation to him <laughs> one day while he was stoned, apparently, so people have all kinds of revelations in this life, all right, so the goal is, though, is that we pray that they have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And if there's anything the upcoming generations need, it is knowledge of God. It's revelation of God. It's of who he is and not of all the other things that could be going on in this world. Amen. Um, and then the last thing we'll say here is that how you pray for them is that their eyes be opened. And this is one of the most powerful ways to pray for people because one of the things that, and, and to pray for yourself too. If you want to know why we live in such a messed up world, it's because people's eyes aren't opened. People are, people are just deceived. And I've come to find out that, you know, the human experience brings everybody into some form of deception on some level. And the older I get in the Lord, the more I realize that there's still a lot of areas. I've got blind spots in my, my spiritual perception that I don't see everything perfectly. And I've come to that conclusion because I see more accurately now than I did a year ago. Yeah. And a year ago, I did more than I did five years ago. And five years ago, more than I did 20 years ago. So I, my lightning fast mind has figured out that in two years from now and in five years from now, I'm going to know and perceive more then than I do right now. Hallelujah. So you know what I do? I pray that my eyes are opened up, that I see all of the things that are going on in the spirit, that I have perception about that. And when you have somebody that you're dealing with, especially if they are deceived, if they are operating wrongly, if they are doing wrong things, the only reason they're doing that is because they've been deceived by the deceiver. And they need to have their eyes opened up to see the realities of not only who God is, but of who they are. And when someone's doing something wrong, they just don't know who they are. 
The only reason, the only reason a prince would find themselves in the mud with the pigs is because they don't see themselves the way that the father and the king sees them. There, there's not any other reason why the prodigal son would have left all of the bounty of his father's home and then finally ended up in a place of literally living with the pigs. And, of course, that was the parable of the, the prodigal son that Jesus talked about. But that's a parable of how oftentimes we live or people live or people that we know live. And it's because they don't see themselves the way that God sees them. And that parable says that when he finally came to himself, he realized it's better in my, my father's servants have it better than what I have it right now. I could just go back and just be one of the servants. But you know what? The father didn't bring him back in. This says a lot about the father's heart. The father didn't bring him back in and go, well, you know, uh, I'll allow you back in, but there's definitely going to be some punishment. You know, there's a difference between, I just read this today and it was so good. There's a difference between consequences and punishment. Consequences are going to happen, but it's not your job to punish people. All the punishment for the wrong stuff was placed on Jesus. You know what our job is? To love them. And that father in that story, in that parable, brought the son in, and he didn't stick him in the, you know, the servant's quarters. He put a ring on his finger, a robe on his back, and he killed the fatted calf. Why? Because he was his son. The ones that have proclaimed Jesus as Lord, it doesn't, it does matter how they're living, but it doesn't matter how they're living in terms of who they are. It hasn't changed who they are. God still sees them as kids, as his kids. And you have a responsibility to lead them back to a place to be in God's grace and to understand who they are. And they'll stop living like they were living once they see who they really are. Hallelujah. There's a lot more we could say. We'll leave. All that for another time. Praise well, God. And, and I'll just say, so whenever you have this posture that your heart is towards them and your heart is for them and that you have developed the heart of the Father, so you have a kingdom-minded perspective, then listen, this is, remember, out of Malachi 4, and it says, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And so when your heart is for the children, then what happens? This is what happens. And the hearts of the children will come to the Father. That's right. And that is, so we have to, as mothers and fathers, we have to go first. We have to be willing to lay down ourselves, lay down our desires, lay down our ways, pick up the Lord's desire, pick up the kingdom of God. And as we go in love, then all the sudden people are drawn. Like, I mean, I'm just picturing this. Well, because I've seen it happen, but like when you walk in love towards somebody and you don't reject them, but you continually love them, like the unconditional agape love, then they can't help but want to have their hearts turned towards you because they're saying, what what is different about you? What about you makes you love me when I I don't even feel worthy or deserving or of love and I haven't even acted um, in ways to receive your love? And then that is testimony that you can say, I love this way towards you because Jesus loved that way towards me. And that is powerful. That is how we change the world. That is how we see nations reform. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. 
If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit ociperryville.com.